Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Midtown Atlanta, it's time for Health Connect South Radio. Now here's your host, C.W. Hall. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is CW. Thank you for making us a part of your day this morning. It is the 77th episode of Health Connect South Radio, and I'm very pleased to have with me on the show today someone I've known for, gosh, I was starting to do the math. I think it's 23 years back in 1993 in the old days when I was still working as an RN in intensive care, cardiovascular intensive care primarily. I was on a travel assignment, actually, in Joplin, Missouri, in the hospital that got smacked by that giant tornado that went through that town. It's kind of crazy to see that, but I was on a travel assignment there, got to talking to one of the nurses from that area about opportunities to do more local type work. He had been working with this company, a nurse staffing agency that he really spoke highly of, uh, that it was started by a couple of nurses, a husband and wife team, and that they recruited high-level critical care people to fill needs around that region and uh, introduced me to Carol Robison, back then of Robison Nursing, and uh, went over there to, I think, was that was Claremore at the time, I think it was, and then uh, ultimately in Ulaga, Oklahoma, where they relocated their corporate headquarters and where it remains today. Carol, thanks for jumping on the show with me today. Absolutely. I'm excited to be uh, talking about nursing. <laughs> so as I was saying, you, you started yourself working, I believe you and Randy, your husband, working in the emergency room, possibly some other areas, and decided, hey, we could start a, we could start a staffing company. We did. We did. We were enjoying up in the uh, Kansas City area working for different companies and wanted to move back a little closer to family in the Oklahoma area. And just didn't see anything like what we were experiencing in the Kansas City area, high-level critical care, CCRN, you know, just really the intense level that we wanted to be able to walk into different hospitals and be able to do. So we decided, hey, we can do this. Uh, Founded our company. We were our first two employees and just (laughs) never told anybody no. (laughs) Whatever they called, we went to work. So night, day, it was was intense, but it was just a... You came in, obviously, around that time, Charlie, and I think I had my youngest daughter in a playpen next to yes. me. Yes. So, <laughs> That's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Lots of fun. And Lots so so then I came around in 1993. We started working together. I was doing field work for you around mm-hmm. different area hospitals. I was living in Oklahoma City and kept bugging you. Got to get something <laughs> compliance in Oklahoma City. I've got people here that are really good nurses, but they won't drive three hours like I will. In the end, we opened together the o- Oklahoma City office, and I think it's still there, is it not? It is. Yeah. It is. So you opened an office uh-huh. in Oklahoma City, started staffing clients there locally, um, certainly got involved with the joint venture through Integris with the, uh, the, the staffing relationship uh, that they built there. And they're kind of, I think, at the time, relatively unique approach to handling some staffing issues. And 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 I think that that, in the end, may have provided some opportunities down the road because as you continue to grow, in the end, you ultimately, not too awful long ago, combined forces with another company going from Robinson Medical Resource Group to Gifted Healthcare. We did, we did. Very exciting uh, time for us. We 
I had a friend that was in a similar business, had built one up already and sold it and was excited to be in the staffing business again. And we always said, hey, we want to do something together. So PK Shirley, uh, Gifted Healthcare, and um, our partners all joined together. And it's just been great and a high growth um, go-go time. <laughs> and you started by providing basically more regional and local coverage with local personnel, but then you expanded that to include travel contracts where someone might travel and live on site for a period of time. Are are you still, are you focused in the nursing sector or does it include other allied personnel? We use, we do some allied personnel, but it is uh, majority of our business is in the registered nurse LPN, uh, uh, nurse aid, you know, that segment is our, probably our biggest focus. The regional, we still are strong in certain regions, you know, with us kind of cutting our teeth in the per diem staffing world here in Oklahoma. So we have the corner of Kansas, corner of Missouri, you know, that we um, provided to, and we're still really strong in those areas, but we have definitely expanded, as you mentioned, the Oklahoma City location. We have a Little Rock location in Arkansas. We have several locations in Louisiana. And we have our uh, travel division, which is out of the Dallas, Texas area. Mm. Do you work with nurse practitioners, PAs, any of those types of mid-level folks? You know, we haven't done a lot of that. I'm just seeing a real increase in that demand. You know, people looking for that and also um, just a lot of people going into that field as far as uh, many of our nurses are also in nurse practitioner, you know, programs. So. It's been interesting to see that change over the few years. When I got involved with you back in in the early 90s, at the time, staffing was really, I, I think, just kind of, it's it was still young, and, and I don't know that everybody really understood it very effectively, kind of viewed mm-hmm. it as a necessarily, necessary evil. And I, I, I assume that on some level, people still think about that from the hospital perspective somewhat in that light. But when you look at, staffing through this sort of a channel with a good partner that's going to vet their employees very well, then it can actually become of some strategic value for organizations to be able to cover what are historic peaks and valleys in their their patient population flows. Uh, Certain communities may have some measure of of seasonality to them uh, with ebb and flow of people. And that can provide some really real challenges for hospitals trying to keep themselves staffed correctly for that because those fixed costs, if they employ them full time, well, when we're slow, well, then, then, then the hospital's in a, in a tough situation. What do we do? We're paying people to work that we don't really need, or we're having to make them use time off and things like that. How are things looking in that regard today? Yes, it's it's been really interesting. We're seeing um, a lot of our customers are asking us to do even more in-depth um, analysis and try to help them figure out what that sweet spot is. You know, how much agency would, does make sense so that their people don't have to float or go home and use their vacation or just not have the nursing staff that they have need to have available. So we're actually doing a lot on consultative um measures around that. We've worked with uh, several of the Indian tribes. We've also worked with um, local 
hospitals and facilities to help them determine that. So it's more in a consultative role. We're looking at things such as how are their needs being driven, um, what are the uh, what are the peak demand times. A lot of times we actually find that some of it is just related to maybe they have a manager that is struggling and it's really driving their um, turnover. And so we can come in kind of with a you know a real objective look and let them see that, or maybe they don't have a good control on their schedule. And so we have technology that we build around that to help them be able to see what is it that they exactly need and what's going to make the most effective uh, use of their staff. And um, so we see that. We also see where we have hospitals that have been very short-staffed and they want to hire new grads or they want to hire maybe that uh, little bit less experienced nurse. And so we come in as a preceptor. So a couple of things at a different level than what you traditionally see in the just um, temporary nurse staffing world. How do you identify that opportunity in, in, in terms of what, what would be a question you would ask of the hospital executive? Whether, would, I, I don't know if it'd be nursing administrator or chief operating officer or CEO. What are you asking them that would open the door to that sort of collaboration? You know, it tends to be either we've been contacted and they're having problems, mm-hmm. and so they're reaching out to us to say, hey, we, we either aren't getting as many people as we need or we need a different type of person. Or just in the course of us doing business with someone, maybe we're providing them um, just traditional staffing that we're seeing that they're having lots of problems with. You know, maybe their nurses are not being on the schedule or just odd things that are happening that kind of give us the heads up or their demand is so high that um, we think, gosh, we need to come in and help them look at that. So it's lot of times just a presentation that we make to them, um, you know, that kind of says the things we can go over. So it would be looking at how exactly are they determining their need to sometimes it's people getting, uh, there's too many hands in the um, scheduling, you know, process between around the hospital. And so that gives us, um, kind of a warning signal when there's lots of missteps between the schedule that that might be a problem. So that's that's how we kind of determine. We either we either notice it and go in and make a presentation to help them, or they contact us. Is probably the most uh, ways that we see that. Talking with Carol Robison of Gifted Healthcare, learning about the, her perspectives on uh, nurse staffing part of healthcare. Uh, clearly, nursing is w- one of the largest sources of cost for hospitals and one of the largest needs, really, to be able to deliver the care that they must provide in those acute and subacute settings because they're the ones that are doing the hands-on care delivery whenever uh, it's prescribed uh, by the physicians attending to them. So if you're missing a few of those people, it can significantly hamstring your ability as a hospital to manage patient flow correctly, and it can cause all kinds of uh, issues around patient satisfaction. And as we know, as, as the reimbursement models are changing today, uh, patient satisfaction and, and outcomes are coming into play with regards to how hospitals are reimbursed. And I'm sure that that's somewhat bringing things around with, with regards to how we view these personnel <laughs> Carol, um, as I mentioned earlier, that at least back when I was doing that kind of work, and it was often not that 
you know, veiled that it was a necessary evil. How is the perception of this sort of staffing resource viewed today? Well, I think one of the things that we're seeing is just there's just such an increase in demand. We've uh, doubled and in some areas tripled in the demand that we have for nursing. And so it's it's not a far leap from, oh, gosh, we don't really want to use temporary staffing to we really to provide the best um, care to our patients have got to have these nurses. So in some areas, they even have called us and said, we're not getting the type of um, uh, fulfillment that we would like to have. We'd like to pay our nurses more through you, and they raise their bill rates or say, let's raise it. You guys, look, we do a lot of market study yeah. around, you know, where do they rank in, um, you know, pay for their nurses? How, you know, how are they, um, how are they treating their nurses? You know, sometimes that's a, an, an issue. Uh, we look at time to fill, you know, how long is it taking them to fill open positions? And we also study that particular hospital against the market, um, you know, their competitors, their local competitors. So what are the demands? How long is it taking them to fill? So that kind of information, I think, is such a help to them that they'd like to um, to work with us. For That's one of the reasons. Um, we really see that there's just such an increase in that skilled nurse, that nurse that's got the high-level um, experience. And so that's something that you don't just go out and hire usually easily. And our nurses have such an experience with going to different places. And so when they know they can get a really qualified person and use our technology, and we work closely with their HR, we work closely with all of the um, things to make a nurse go in there smoothly. When they have that, then they trust that you're going to going to be a real help. And so I don't hear nearly the, I think you remember, as you're mentioning, it was an awfully tough sell uh, 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah. And talking about rates, for example, I'm sure that I would probably be amazed at where, where they are now in terms of what it costs to get someone on a PRN basis. I mean, I know that the full-time employed nurse rates are getting up there mm-hmm. uh, into the 30s, 40s, and even, I guess, in some cases, $50 an hour. So clearly that is being driven by what is obviously a rise in demand. But when it comes to strategic needs, you've got some shortages in critical areas, obviously around pricing. I always saw when I was in that space, how obviously the goal is to try to minimize the amount that you're paying. But what I found in the end, particularly whenever I was working with the joint venture there with Integris and we were collaborating a lot more closely, I think, than, than often you get to, where we were able to take a look at where are the real pain points and be able to together to come to, we titrated basically rates up and up and up until we finally mm-hmm. found the spot that made people do what we needed them to do. I guess there's, yeah, that's yeah. sort of how you have to go about it today, I would assume. It, it really kind of is, although we just have a lot more data points that we can look at, you know, ahead of time. So that often when we come in and say, what, what we call them are crisis rates now. So if yeah. we have someone that's in a crisis, you know, scenario, then we, um, we look to market determined crisis rates and we just put a lot of time, money, effort behind advertising and having really good recruiters so that when we tell you this is the price level that you'll need to be at to be able to fulfill, we're very good at that. And I think that, um, 
increases the confidence of our clients. Something that hospitals can look at too, as far as where the fulfillment is, because it's just not like the you know days of old where you could just say this is the price and this is what you guys can pay and that's it. Yes. You know, because it's just the demand is too high. It's been an interesting thing too around the nursing demand with our aging population. Yeah. You know, it's always it's always been kind of a um, projected or speculation about what's going to happen with our aging nurse population. And I really, uh, this past couple of years, have just started to really see that effect. I see that physically our aging population of nurses does very demanding floors such as orthopedics or um, the LCATs where you have lots of physical demands. Many of those nurses are starting to migrate out of those areas. So those are really high demand. The uh, injuries that we see have increased, not just, you know, I'm not saying only our nurses, but a lot of times the hospital nurses, you know, they've got a lot of people out on uh, leaves for medical injuries. And so we definitely are seeing that um, increase in our markets. What does the nurse look like today that is doing per diem and travel nursing in terms of years of typical experience that you see? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of a, it's two, two different populations. We often see that two to five year experienced nurses come out of nursing school and they um, really had decided that they wanted to travel and see the world and get out and um, experience different things. And so that's the younger nurse that, and they tend to do very well, especially if they come out of a, you know, a highly, um, a large hospital system that's been highly trained. They do really well as they go out. And um, then the the next population that we see are retirees. Um, Probably uh, a very large part of those retirees are people that their husbands retired and uh, they wanted to go ahead and retire, but they still had lots of years that they wanted to work. They just didn't want to be and be holding to one facility or one location. So they want to travel and enjoy the um, time with a spouse or friend or whatever it happens to be. And so we see that uh, very frequently from our retired nurses. And they're usually many times 20-year, you know, 30-year nurses. Uh, lots of experience with that population. 15 or 20 years ago, back when we were first working together, back in those days, I remember what a big deal it was to achieve CCRN certification or similar, depending on the area mm-hmm. that you were working in, whatever that area was, medical floors or whatever. There was some advanced certifications and the hospitals were putting in career ladders to encourage people to do that as well. Do you see that still today being something that the nursing staff is motivated to achieve and continue to press their education development after they get started? Yes, I I do see that. I actually spoke at the local AACN chapter here in Oklahoma, and I was just so excited to see that, you know, young nurses and older nurses were getting that certification, and they had really good programs around, you know, just encouraging that um, between the nursing staff. Even at that meeting, there were people that had brought several friends to listen and uh, hear about TCRN and understand what it means to get that. So, yes, I think there's a lot of respect still around those certifications. Um, it kind of gives them instant credibility, too. So 
the areas that we see the most demand in are areas such as critical care, ER, cath labs, um, LMD. And so all that they do to advance that, both from a hospital perspective, encouraging their nurses to do it, and from agency encouraging their nurses to do it, I think only improves the patient care, which is ultimately what we're all here for, is that patient at the end of the day. You talked about some of the specialties that are high in demand. What about geography? Is there, are there regions of the country that are there feeling are. the pain more than others? Mm-hmm. There are. A lot of our rural hospitals that need some you know, specialized personnel, that is a very difficult find for them. Um, and you mentioned earlier seasonality. That is really, we see, you know, a Florida um, expands a lot in the winter and um, California has a lot of seasonality. And California actually has done a lot with nursing uh, temporary staffing and understanding those um, seasonal fluctuations. So they tend to be very well-versed in how to get the nurses that they need and um, so, yes, geography definitely plays a role in that. You had talked about the fact that you have a number of offices. You, you've kind of got your eye on Atlanta. It was one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show today as we're streaming from Atlanta. I'm looking out over the city right now from, uh, from the studio. <laughs> Talk about that a little bit. You're, you're looking at the possibilities of serving the Atlanta area with a local office presence. I, I understand you do serve a number of Atlanta area facilities already uh, from a travel perspective. Um, talk about what you're hoping to do here locally. We do. We um, we love Atlanta. We do a lot of business there. And, you know, as the business increases, it starts to make sense to have um, bricks and mortar there to be able to service the clients even better than, than you can over the phone sometimes. So to have someone in that local market is um, always exciting for us. And so with our demand in that area, we are, of course, needing nurses to, to fill more of the needs that we have, but also to be able to be local would just be a great, great benefit for us. We would love to be there. And that we, get, we tend to get very involved in the communities or very involved in the charitable you know, charitable events. We're very involved in nursing events. And we also um, sponsor Great 100 Nurses Foundation, which my uh, wonderful partner, P.K. Shirley, founded 30 years ago. And we, we brought it to Oklahoma. This will be the third year. Just had it recently, 600 attendees and, you know, uh, so many nurses, 100 nurses honored a year. So hmm. this third year was very exciting. Mm-hmm. We have just started to do that in the Arkansas market. We've got a date, and uh, April 11th, we'll be there. UAMS is one of our big sponsors there. They're the key sponsor in Oklahoma Cherokee Nation. So we look for really strong sponsors for that um, as well to honor nursing and celebrate what our nurses do um, out there every day. You know, hospitals are uh, really enjoying being able to nominate their nurses and have them be honored. So that local presence for us is really important. What about the environment now in the staffing industry? I remember in those early 90s, it happened when I was part of Robison, where the large hospital system there in Oklahoma, Integris Health, entered into a joint venture with a staffing company um, that was essentially going to be a gatekeeper. They had primary responsibility for filling any PRN need that the facilities had. And they were forward thinking in that they were going to offload 
what was an internal PRN float pool, which many hospitals tried to employ as a strategy. And they were going to make those employees move over into become agency personnel and be staffed through that. They had found that many of what were supposed to be PRN occasional people were essentially FTEs being used (laughs) that way. Um, And so they, they found that through a relationship like that, they got I think a little bit more focused in and better strategic use of their personnel. I don't know if that was the first one of those, but it was certainly an early one of yes, those types right. of vendor man- management relationships. And I know it got written up uh, in some national publications, and then boom, everybody was trying to do it. Um, and some of the some of those uh, organizations really, I, I think, became pervasive, per- particularly throughout travel nursing is that still the climate today what is what does it look like now you know it's a mix it's really funny there's some uh, there's managed service providers we do that as well we do managed service providing you know the managed service provider for uh several of our clients we actually work through several of the main service providers to get um nurses to uh, other hospitals and so it's it's Still pretty prevalent. We, I would say there's been an increase in that over the years. It kind of depends, too, again, on fulfillment. Are they getting what they need from that agency, from that vendor management or managed service provider? Are they getting what they need from a single source uh, relationship? If they're not, I think you see a lot of times that either they go outside of the managed service provider or they dismantle it and do it internally. Yeah. And we, as I mentioned, we're seeing a lot of increase in bill rates. So a lot of the facilities are actually spending more to uh, get their personnel, use their own personnel than they do using a um, staffing company or travel you know, company. And that's been interesting, too, because when you start looking at those expenses and the turnover that your nurses get burnt out, that sort of thing, it's a little bit easier sell when they can look at um, the, the staff relief and say, you know what, it's a wash. We're not spending any more and we're getting highly skilled people and our people aren't burnt out and that sort of thing. So that's, that's kind of interesting from that standpoint. When you're looking at a community like Atlanta, like Tulsa, like Oklahoma City, like Others that are kind of in that size, they have several hospitals where people can work, all of which will have per diem opportunities, um, unless they're just in some kind of amazingly unique situation. Almost all of them have some per diem needs, and they try to fill those with some Mm -hmm. of those internal resources and extra pay incentives and things like that. How hard is it, do you see it being in places like an Atlanta or like a Tulsa, Oklahoma City, to be able to capitalize on existing personnel within a market it's a it's a zero sum game right it's 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 one pie mm-hmm. how hard is it to move someone from mercy over to baptist to cover some shifts mm-hmm. well i'll tell you what's kind of interesting and what one of the services that we provide is that obviously we do all of the back um office work we do the hr piece of it we do the you know um the making sure that their immunizations are up. A nurse, if they're going to go through us, can go to several hospitals and not have to review that uh, volume of work. You know, it's just when you look at fire safety, back safety, um, are you, you know, your competency exams, your immunizations, it's such a burden on a nurse to have to 
she wants to sign up for three or four hospitals to make sure that she gets to work that, you know, so she has the most opportunity. It is a very, yes, it's a very grueling process now for them to do that. So it's a big advantage to a nurse. If you have hospitals that are um, willing to look at, we're joint commission certified. So, you know, we're meeting the same standards that they're meeting. And if you can let that nurse, we can plug that nurse into the right place. Maybe she wants to work a Tuesday or maybe she wants to work a Sunday. If she's only signed up with a couple of hospitals, then she might not ever get that um, opportunity to work that night that she wants to work, but we can keep her working in many different areas and keep her happy. And so, you know, a lot of times the per diem nurse from an agency is more experienced than even a per diem nurse at a hospital because they're only maybe doing one day a week where our per diem usually tend to pick up more shifts at different places. So their schedule is the way they want it. Earlier, you were mentioning some technology that you're deploying as part of what you do. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. We're very proud of our technology. We're able to let that um, HR person can see the, you know, they can actually see the CPR and make sure that it's signed as it needs to be. And they can feel comfortable that we've got testing. They can see testing scores. They can see all of the things that we do with our nurse, they're able to see. But then on an even more macro level, that facility so often does not have a scheduling software that really um, ties back to their per diem pool very well. So maybe it's still being done, you know, on the on a paper calendar or on an Excel spreadsheet that a manager's working off of. It's usually or rarely anymore, even now, um, is that PRN Incorporated that they're going to be in the ICU today and everybody can see, hey, we called Susie and she's coming into the ICU tonight. And with our um, software, we can do a couple of different things. One, they can see all of their staff that is coming in through agency. They can see that on a on a schedule. They can make changes, they can, you know, to different things. They can um, request certain temps through uh, the technology. And it also allows the house supervisor to be able to see not only the ICU schedule, but they can see the med search. They can see all of that in one look. And so we're so often someone you have to rely on somebody to write it on the schedule on the unit or on the spreadsheet on the unit and then it has to be added to a you know to a health supervisor calendar or uh, schedule and there's lots of room for error and that we find that our hospitals really enjoy being able to see totally what they have from an outside agency standpoint on one schedule in one place the technology finally caught up and made such a solution possible i remember working on something like that a number of years ago with IntelliStaff, and it just was a little early at the time to be able to do it. Did you all develop this application, or was it one that you all bought? We didn't develop it. It's a it's staffing software that we have. We, we actually, it's interesting. Uh, my partner, PK Shirley, who I've already mentioned, they actually worked with an um, outside company to develop the software mm-hmm. and many years ago and still have a very close relationship and understand the software, you know, from... Uh, kind of beginning to end on that. So yes, it is. We did not develop it. I did that in my uh, <laughs> my company early on. You may even remember yes. that, Charlie. It was torture. Uh, everybody <laughs> gets tempted to do it, and then you find out, oh my gosh, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a reason why some company out there does it as a as a business. You, you, Absolutely. You mentioned earlier 
you, you made a comment about crisis type staffing. I know that you brought some talent into the company that, that had been a part of an organization that really focused very heavily on that sort of crisis type need, filling the needs of, of strikes, which were, you know, sometimes foreseen, sometimes not. But obviously in those types of events, we're not just talking about one or two or five nursing personnel that we need a, <laughs> we need a whole department of, of people. Uh, and you brought some talent and some, some expertise into the company that allows you with gifted healthcare to be that much more effective for those hospitals that are experiencing an, oh my gosh, we've got to get this need filled. Yes. That's not really strike so much as it is um, all of a sudden someone's going to open a unit and they need, you know, 20 people and they're not going to be able to open that unit without that assistance. Or well, they've just been. I'm talking about back in the days of, when you could see in the newspaper that so there oh, was an opportunity. You, you, you grab somebody that was used to filling some of those high urgent demands. Yes. Mm-hmm. We did. We have, um, you mean as far as clients or. Yeah. And just to being nursing. able to deploy the, the social media aspects and the various ways that you all are able to mobilize and really get on a, an urgent need maybe more effectively yeah. than we, some other opportunities out there. Yes. We spent a lot of time and money on um, recruiting. We've ha- hired several recruiters that are um, working for us now and, Obviously, they are extremely busy, and so that has been a, a big bonus for us to have that talent actually looking for the nurses that we need, and um, we have really good metrics and really good um, technology as far as from the web presence that we have out there and the marketing and advertising that we're doing. We've done a really uh, good job, I think, over the last year of just focusing on that. And so we're able to reap the results of that and having um, a big increase in the number of nurses that we have to place for our clients' needs. How is licensure today for nursing moving from one state to another? You know, it's interesting. Here in Oklahoma, we just passed, um, our legislature just passed um, a bill to be able to do compact state. We have not been compact and we've been a fairly closed state as far as the timing to get the license, that sort of thing. And so it's been difficult to bring. Oklahoma's not really usually a destination, although we're really good at selling it and have probably the best luck at having people come in here as a destination. It's um, typically not somewhere that someone's just going to say, gosh, I want to come to Oklahoma. Right. But not being a compact state on top of that has made it very difficult to bring nurses from other states in here, where as we look at those that have compact states, it's, um, it's a much better way to be able to deploy the nurses to the areas that need them the most. So Arkansas, which is one of the, one of our branches that I do a lot of work with, um, it's such a, uh, a blessing to have them be able to go to more than one state. So yes, but compact licensure, I think has a big effect on, uh, the demand and how well you get uh, fulfillment on those needs. What you're saying is if, if a state has become a part of compact state licensure, then my Arkansas mm-hmm. license lets me go to another compact state participant. It does. It does. And I think there's around maybe 14 right now and several in the process of being able to have that go across state lines. So 
Mm-hmm. They have several options that they can go to, and it just, you know, you can move a lot more quickly when the licensure is not the holdup. Some states have a really difficult, you know, just uh, a little more bureaucratic, takes a longer time, and so people are more hesitant. Usually when they want to come on board, they want to be working into, you know, a couple of weeks. And if your licensure takes three or four or six weeks, your that state is pretty much um, moved to the bottom of the priority list. Mm-hmm. What would you say? It it may just be what's the rate, but I know that money isn't always the the draw. What do you see among the nurses that are working with you today that are that matter to the most? Is it location? Is it what I'm going to be doing in the hospital in terms of acuity, my bill rate, what, you know, what, what do you see as the big concern these days? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a combination of those and each person is different, obviously, but um, the, the ability to go do something in a, you know, maybe a teaching hospital or maybe they're a, an oncology nurse that just wants to go to a big oncology specific um, well-known facility that that's certainly a draw for uh, for large numbers and quick start type scenarios. It is oftentimes the the bill rate. What can we pay that nurse? And that's going to get that. You need twenty people. That's going to be the thing that um, causes them to act. You know, if you're if they're only going to make a couple more dollars an hour, it's not a big enough draw to get them to go. Okay, I'm going to. I'm going to bring my friends and we're all 10 of us are going to go, you know, to whatever facility at this great rate, you right, know? Right. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, I would say that's probably a high point, but not the only, you know, a lot of times in this type of business, the nurses know that they're maybe not going into the best situation. You know, it may be a unit that's in crisis due to, you know, due to manager that, didn't predict well or, you know, whatever that happens to be, they understand that there's going to be settings that they're going into that are not going to be, that they're going to be working really hard to help turn that unit around. And so I think that where that might be a drawback for someone that's just going to go to work there, it actually is a positive and they understand what their role is to go in and help with that culture change or help with getting some stability to that unit so everybody's not working short every day. And so they go in, I think, with the right attitude and with a helpful culture-changing focus. So I think that helps that unit in that scenario, and the nurse, the nurse also enjoys it. Well, I knew it would. Our time has gone by really quickly. Do you have final thoughts before I let you get back to your morning? I, I just think, you know, I'm a, I'm a nurse advocate. I feel like uh, nurses are the answer to many of the health care crisis questions. And so um, I just encourage anyone that is interested to become a nurse, you'll never regret it. The profession is, offers endless opportunities and many different uh, roles. So I, I just say, um, go nursing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really want to say thanks so much for uh, making some time this morning, Carol Robison, to talk with me a little bit about the way that nurse staffing comes into play with regards to delivery of care. Clearly, uh, you've been in the space for over 20 years, providing a high quality uh, professional, and I've been very pleased to be able to introduce you to some of the leaders around this region to be able to provide some of those 
types of services to facilities in need. And, and I'll be happy to help introduce people to you if you get your office going here in the Atlanta area. Maybe we can get together and, and, and uh, I can introduce you to some folks who might be able to, to run that thing for you. So uh, it's fun to have reasons to be reconnecting uh, again around nurse staffing. And obviously, in the delivery of healthcare, the nurse staffing situation is one of those pieces that you just absolutely must have to be able to have a partner such as yourself and your colleagues that I know place such high value on the, the, the people and the expertise that you're sending out to these hospitals. I'm certainly happy to be able to introduce folks to you. If you're coming back and you're checking out the podcast, if you've not done so already, in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the Health Connect South Radio Show podcast lives. You can subscribe to us, and we hope you do that. And then we hope you turn around and share this information with your social media networks. Put it out on LinkedIn, put it out on Facebook. We hope you would uh, share this information just because you might be putting it out there in the hands of somebody that you care about that makes a big difference for them. So all the folks that click share for us will say thanks in advance for that. Carol, I really appreciate getting a chance to sit with you on the show. And uh, sounds like we'll have opportunities to be talking again here real soon. Wonderful. Thank you for having me on it. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Everybody out there, I look forward to catching up with you all. Same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 